Hello, this is Patty Davis. I'm a psychic medium and intuitive, and I'm coming to you from Humboldt County, which is in Northern California, where the redwood trees meet the ocean. Aloha, my name is Jude Lynch, and I am a psychic intuitive energy healer, hailing from the island of Kauai, the garden island of the Hawaiian island chains. Welcome to Spirit Speakers Podcast, where we meet to discuss a variety of topics from two different psychic vantage points. Aloha, this is Jude, and Patty and I are excited to bring you a fresh new podcast about spellcrafting and magic. But before we get into it, just want to say, I've missed you all. We've been gone for a little while. I took a trip having an adventure and a doing deep spiritual work in Peru. I'm just coming back and reintegrating into my normal rhythm and I'm uh, compiling all of my insights and looking forward to sharing some amazing stories with you in a future podcast. It's been a little bit of a stretch since we put out our last podcast, and I just want to thank you all for being patient. I also want to thank you all for engaging with us on social media, and I also want to thank you all for sending in your donations. It really made us feel appreciated. They have really helped us and eased some of the stresses around keeping this podcast going. So let's just get into it. Spellcrafting and magic. What is magic? The definition of magic, according to the dictionary, is the use of means such as charms or spells believed to have supernatural power over natural forces. We'll be talking about things like setting intentions versus spellcasting, incantations, inversion spells, curses, hexes, jinxes, bindings, protection, and more. Patty's more of the expert to me in this because she's more of the witchy woman and always brewing things with her herbs and spices over there, always sending me little <laughs> trinkets from Trinidad. So I'm excited to hear what she has to say, but we'll also be adding in different opinions and experiences and insights that we have around it. So with that, I'm going to hand it over to Patty to take it away. Hi, Jude. Hi, everybody. So glad to be back. I do want to say that it's been super fun lately on the Instagram speaking with you all, and we have so much fun interacting with you there. And again, thank you for being part of that. So the definition of magic, I kind of wanted to call this, or was thinking of calling this intentional magic. But as you saw with Jude reading the description, that magic is actually an intention that's set. A lot of times I think that people think of magic as going and seeing a magic show or doing magic tricks or miracles can be considered magic. So today we're talking about setting intentions, using spellcrafting charms, et cetera, to help us intentionally put something out there into the ethers to come to fruition. So I wanted to start off by talking about the difference between setting an intention and spellcasting. Jude and I both talk a lot about setting an intention. I set an intention for my day daily. I walk around setting intentions constantly. And spellcrafting is a little bit different. When we set an intention, what we're doing is we are manifesting an expected outcome with our thoughts and our energy. What we're doing is we're clearly communicating our desire or our wants with the universe, our guides, our deities, et cetera. We're getting ourselves in that space and energetically putting that energy out. Spellcasting is more of putting our intentions into a specific action or ritual along with our personal power. A lot of the times in spellcasting, the intention is magically put into an object, a place, or a person to get your desired outcome. So in spellcasting, 
There's a lot of ritual and ceremony. This can be done with chanting, with singing, with reciting verbal charms, with praying and dancing, but there's also always an element of some type of object or tool that's used. This could be herbs, candles, bones, salts, shells, stones. And when we're spell casting, what we're doing is we're putting the power into that object and we're using that object, it then becomes enchanted. And then we're using that object as something to maximize our desire or our thought. So it's more of the use of objects. You can also put that magic into a person or into a place, but with spell casting, there's usually an object involved there as well. Like a really good example is that I use a cast iron cauldron for magic purposes and for spells. And that is strictly used for that purpose. I don't like bring in the house and make soup in it. First of all, that would be gross. It's used only for magical spells. So that particular cauldron is enchanted with the purpose of using it for spell crafting. So when I get it out to use it, its presence alone is already set with a strong intention. So let's dive into the different types of spells. There are so many types of spells that this is just a little tiny smattering of some of them. So we'll start off with incantation spells. This is the use of spells or verbal charms that are spoken or sung as part of a ritual of magic. It's kind of like a magical formula. Back in witchcraft days, there was the Book of Shadows. And the Book of Shadows would be certain words or poetry or verbal charms that were used to bring around an effect, a magic effect. And they were written down and passed on through the generations, almost like your grandmother might pass on the family recipes in a recipe book. So different areas, different villages, different families had their own book of shadows, which is really cool. So another one is curses. We've all heard of curses. Curses is a spell that's meant to cause permanent damage or hardship on somebody. This spell can last through generations. It can affect entire families. It's believed that some curses can follow people even beyond life and into death. So that's a curse. A hex is a ritual that's designed to cause harm that can be broken when the hexed person does the right thing. When they learn their lesson or they find remorse, then the hex is released. So it's kind of a temporary curse. A jinx is a spell that's meant to bring somebody bad luck. That's usually temporary. You can think of a curse as like really serious shit. And then you can think of a hex as a step down and a jinx is just kind of like, oh, I'm mad at that person. I'm sending them some bad luck. Another one is bindings. This one's kind of interesting. A binding is a spell that restrains a person metaphysically and prevents them from doing something specific. So this may not necessarily be a negative thing or cause harm, but it's keeping somebody from accomplishing something that the person that's setting the binding on them feels is not, is not a good thing to do or it's gonna cause someone else harm. So a binding is like, like it says, like binding them from moving forward. And then there's protection spells. And June, I've talked a lot about, especially if you're an empath out there, how important it is to protect ourselves from all the energy that's coming in. So protection spells is again, when you're utilizing charms or objects to help you protect yourself from negativity, to ward off unpleasant people, to protect your belongings and your space to uh, banish unwanted influences in your life, to protect against bad luck or evil eyes. And the evil eye 
If you're not familiar with that, the evil eye is goes way, way back in time. Somebody used to cast an evil eye by casting a malevolent glare. And what this would do is this would curse the person with a misfortune or with an injury. And that's why if you've ever seen those little evil eye charms or necklaces or bracelets, that's what those charms are doing is they're protecting you from picking up on someone else's evil eye. So it's kind of like the belief that somebody gives you a really dirty look. And along with that comes this negative energy that can have effect on you. And we know that everything is energy. And if someone is sending you bad vibes, even if they're not sitting down and doing a spell, it can have an effect on you. So this is where those charms of the evil eye come in. The next one is contagious magic. And this is using items that belong or previously have belonged to the targeted person, like some of their hair, a used napkin, which is really gross, a piece of their clothing. You're utilizing something that belongs to them to set the intention towards that person. So this could be a curse. This could be used for a love spell. This could be used for a healing. It can be used for both positive and negative things. And I have some experience in this that I'll share, but Jude, before we moved on, I just wanted to ask you if you have any experience with any of these things so far, either receiving or doing or anything you want to share. Yeah, as you were going through the list, I definitely, the memories of things were popping up, a lot of which I felt was sort of the use of unintentional spellcrafting and magic. Because as you know, I always see things in terms of energies and frequencies and projections of our thoughts towards others and how these energies are interacting with each other and affecting a lot of our experience. And, you know, what comes up for me is how often unintentional spellcrafting unfolds. And I think there's probably a lot of people out there who use things like crystals and essential oils and smudges, incense, things like that, that don't realize that that is some form of spellcrafting or utilizing objects to anchor their intentions and to invoke certain frequencies for more protection or more safety or to ward off things. Um, I think it's fascinating that in our history that people clued into this idea that we have this network of energies that can be tapped into and manipulated and pushed and pulled in certain directions um, for their benefit or for other people's demise. But yeah, I think I have a couple things to say about the different types of magic. One of the things that jumped out to me right away was the psychic attack thing. And I think people don't realize oftentimes how their anger or how their projections affect the person that is being attacked. For example, when somebody's very angry towards somebody for an action, and if you're like me, you think about things obsessively over in your mind and you're thinking of all the things you wish you could say or want to say, but don't say, but you say it in your mind. And maybe there's some sense that it's not having the same impact if you were to go up to them to their face and say it, but vibrationally, there is a psychic cord that is being connected to this person that is feeding them that vibration. And depending on the receiver, whether or not they had a good protection around them, or if their vibration was high enough, that might bounce off and not affect them. But if it's somebody who has a weak spot or a hole in their energy field, these energies can come in and wreak havoc on people. And they, they can stay there until the person who's projecting it lets it go, or the person who's receiving it has awareness that it's there and removes it. Now, I know for me, there's been, you know, in my younger years, 
finding myself in a situation where I was so angry at somebody, just so angry and projecting ill will towards them, like wishing that bad things would happen to them. It's something I would never do now, but I did that in the past and through my own psychic awareness had to realize that I still had these cords attached to certain people and had to remove them. I've also found in my own psychic sphere, like understanding and feeling when something is attached to me from somebody else. And most people don't have that sensitivity or awareness. And for somebody who does and tries to walk a fairly righteous path and not create too many waves with people, I still feel them in my energy field, even up to this day. So it makes me wonder like how many of these kind of psychic attacks and cords other people have to deal with, especially if they're not aware that they should be doing the maintenance to like remove these energies from their energy field. Yeah. I've, I've had awareness that I've had to remove psychic attacks from me. And I know Patty with you and I, there had been times that you and I have read each other and had to tune in with these external negative forces that were coming into our aura and needing to be removed that may have been projections from other people. Do you recall? Oh yeah, totally. I've been psychic attacked a few times. I totally agree with everything you've said, Jude. I I think sometimes people do curses, hexes, et cetera, and set that intention. Other times there are just powerful people that are like, screw you and send that energy towards you. And it can actually work in that same way. And we can pick it up. And again, like you were saying, that's also why we as powerful people and working on our spirituality and working on the energy we put out have to be really careful about the energy that we are putting out and that we might inadvertently be sending to someone. For me, when a psychic attack comes in, it can cause like a sudden onset of symptoms. It can be a fatigue, just feeling off, having a lot of bad luck. Like say all of a sudden you have car trouble, you get a flat tire the next day, your car won't start. You have another flat tire, you know, having nightmares, lack of sleep, injuring yourself, you know, having multitudes of injuries following each other, health issues that come out of nowhere, items of yours missing, headaches. And for me, a big one is neck aches. For me, I have been taught and I feel that a lot of times psychic attacks, again, whether intentional or or not, come in at the base of your skull. And my friend, and I mentioned this on another podcast, she likes to imagine that there's a disco ball there. So anything that's coming in is kind of being reflected back from where it came. You know, a good thing to do to try to figure out if you're being psychically attacked or if there's a curse on you, if these things are happening is to really pay attention to your dream state. If all of a sudden you start dreaming about a specific person, they start showing up in your dreams or you start like, maybe you see a post that they put on, on Instagram or something. And all of a sudden you just feel nauseous or you feel all tingly and meditating on that and just asking, where is this energy coming from? And again, trusting yourself on what you're receiving and paying attention to that. So Jude, in the past, when you've felt that you were psychically attacked, what have your symptoms been? How were you able to identify where that was coming from? In my history of experiencing it, I've felt it in different areas, not necessarily always in the back of my throat chakra, which I know is a common space for you. I felt it in my heart in my solar plexus and my sacral. And really it depends on where I'll feel it depends on the nature, the quality of the exchange that I had with a person. I've had symptoms of not being able to breathe, uh, feeling anxiety, feeling guilt or shame for no reason that I feel like I need to just feeling like I should feel guilty, but realizing that these are psychic projections of somebody who viewed or misconstrued an action that I took 
and misinterpreted it. And in their psychic projection at me was that I should feel bad about something that I had yet no awareness that I had even done anything wrong. And when it came to light, it made me understand how these like kind of psychic attacks were affecting me and affecting my mood and my perception of myself. I've had strings of bad luck that were just absurd where everything that can go wrong will go wrong. And I experienced that through somebody that had this insane amount of jealousy towards me. And it was for nothing that I'd ever done. It was just because maybe I had better friends or more success, or I was more abundant. And here they are having to look at me and they're struggling and doesn't necessarily mean always if we're experiencing these negativities that we're actually doing anything to deserve it. Some of it just may be the, the wounds of other people and them not being able to handle their own stuff and how they're projecting it at us. So it's very important to be aware of your energy and to keep your vibration high. And so we are protected, but it's also on the other end of it, very important for everybody to take responsibility for their own energy projections. Thought has form in one dimension or another. I feel like everybody should also take responsibility for their energy projections towards others and be mindful of how we think and feel because that saying that it all comes back to you or it comes back tenfold or what we put out eventually returns, I really believe that. Patty, do you agree with that old witchy saying? 100%. Yeah. And you know, that's great, Jude, what you were saying. It's kind of like the more we get to know ourselves, the more we sit in meditation, the more we pay attention to the energy we're putting out in our own energetic field, the more awareness we'll have of what's coming in that doesn't belong to us. You know, we all have bad luck. We all get sick, but if it's coming from a curse, a hex or a psychic attack, it'll have a totally different quality to it. So you should be able to identify that it doesn't belong to you. And I am so careful, or I try to be really conscious of the energy that I put out. I had a really good friend, a lovely, lovely woman who pretty much accused me of unintentionally psychic attacking her and kind of a roundabout way. And I lost my shit because I have a lot of integrity about my career and my business and who I am and what I do and what I put out there. And I really work in the positive energies and I'm really careful about my use of power. And I think to own your power and accept your power also comes with a lot of responsibility. So this ended our friendship. And it was really difficult to deal with, but I, I have never purposely psychically attacked anyone. And I really, truly believe that I was not unintentionally psychically attacking her. I really wasn't even sending much energy to her or thinking about it too much. So it is really important that you pay attention to the energy that you're putting out and give people a break. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about revenge spells. And I kind of feel when someone does something negative to me. I get angry, but then I don't take it very personally. I kind of think, well, that person has a problem. Either they have a problem with a powerful person. They have a problem with jealousy. They don't like me or, you know, they disagree with what I'm doing, but for them to treat me that way, this is their problem, not mine. A lot of times you have to say, does this belong to me or is this their problem? And when you can really think that through clearly, it helps us react in a way that's much more healthy. And so to try to do a revenge spell against somebody, and we're going to talk a little bit about black and white magic too, just totally turns my stomach. So 
when you are being psychic attacked or if when I'm being psychic attacked, I don't send back any revenge. The biggest thing I do, I release it for me. I, I set protection and I will sometimes imagine that I have a little mirror behind my base of my skull or like my friend's disco ball so that any energy that's coming in is returned because whether it's an intentional curse or a non-intentional curse, if their energy that they're putting out is not being received, that is really exhausting and that can stop this from happening. And if that negative energy is being returned, that also can halt it. So Jude, I'm curious when you realized that you were being psychically attacked, where did you go from there? How did you realize who it was? And then how did you deal with it? You know, for me, it was always knowing something was off, but not knowing exactly where that feeling of imbalance was being sourced from. And it was always by kind of a serendipitous and divine unfolding that I was given the answer. It's almost like, as we said in previous podcasts, if you want to know the answer, you just ask, what is the source from? And I feel like just by universal guidance, you'll get the answer in one form or another. So I did understand who they were coming from. And for me, there was never this feeling of wanting to attack back or reflect it back. If anything, it was me just removing and I saw it as a cord or a harpoon or a hook in my energy field that I was removing it and just sending it off into a light and allowing, you know, whatever powers that be work out the karma on their end. Because you know, I'm always thinking about what the karmic repercussions of any action that I take. And as they say, karma is like, your karma is what you do to me. And my karma is how I react to it. So I don't want to perpetuate the wheel and the loop in those situations and have to continue to repeat these lessons with the people who attack me. So I just take it and I release it. My take on it is I rather not reflect it back. I rather send it off into a light and let it be healed. But I did want to take a note on how you said you had a friend that sort of accused you of giving them a psychic attack. And the same thing has happened to me with people. You have to be mindful about how you approach people if you perceive that you're getting a psychic attack. I don't think it's very appropriate to like call up people and be like, I think you're psychically attacking me and these accusations, because though I've perceived that I have been attacked by certain people and removed it, that gave me a greater sense of peace to where I didn't have to like call this person and confront them about it and maybe aggravate the situation more, or maybe it was happening in a subconscious space that they didn't even realize that they did have these feelings towards me. But I know for me, when I've been approached by somebody who thought I was psychically attacking them, I was just as surprised as you, Patty, where I was like, I wasn't even thinking about you. Like I didn't even, and nor would I, and I felt very offended by that. And there are some people who are kind of paranoid in that way that they think the world is working against them and everybody's out to get them. I'm sure you all know, have at least one person in your reality that has those traits. I totally agree, Jude, 100%. And I, I kind of feel that to someone like, especially let's just take you and I, because we're sitting here together who do this for a living, who try to assist and educate and help other people, 
to be accused of psychically attacking somebody is such a major insult. You know, I had a friend that's like, Patty, just get over it. You know, we can all be friends again. And I'm like, no, that would be like, if you accused me of doing something like stealing money out of your purse. And when I say I didn't do it, you said, oh, okay, well, we'll just disagree. Like you can't recover from that. So that's part of what ended our, our friendship. So I believe that sometimes people can use that. I feel like you're psychically attacking me or energetically attacking me in a way to be hurtful and just to hurt somebody. And there is like a bit of a difference between people who are unintentionally hexing people. Like when you're so mad or so jealous, you almost wish something bad would happen to them because you can't handle watching people succeed or be happy. And then there's a difference between people who intentionally do it with spells and with magic that will take it into a whole other sphere of power. And those can be a lot trickier to um, let go of. And I think they even have a sense of being more incognito meaning when somebody's really using magic, it might not be as obvious that this is even happening to you. It just kind of sneaks in. And then I also want to say this. I think that there are darker forces and darker maybe entities that can mimic people and make you think and make you get paranoid that these attacks are coming from people that they are not. So there's a lot of layers to this energetic world. And maybe we're not meant to decipher or understand all of it, but the best thing that we can do is have an understanding that it exists at all and learn to protect ourselves and learn to properly and appropriately disarm these energies from our energy fields without creating more waves or attacking back or making accusations and pissing people off in the process. I mean, as far as somebody actually doing a spell casting or a revenge spell, I've not had any specific experience in knowing that somebody did something like that to me, but I have talked to people who have had revenge spells put on them. One story that comes to mind is a, a jilted ex who took the hair of their partner and all their hair, hair fell out within a few months just wow. for no reason. And he knew that this woman did dark magic and black magic, and he was devastated by it. He was beside himself as far as how to stop it because he had known her power to be true. So now let's get into that. Actually, some people say hexes and curses aren't real and they only have validity if you believe them to be real. Have you heard that statement before? No, I haven't. Because I, I kind of feel like curses and hexes are just a more physical way of sending someone negative energy, which I feel we do all the time. So how could that not be valid or real? Well, so that's how I feel about it. I think they're very valid and real because I read people and I'm seeing very clearly how these energies are affecting each other. I think if your energy is more open to understanding that these energies are at play, I think it can have a bigger effect than people who are a little bit more resistant or don't believe as much. I too have had clients that have had hexes or curses put on them. I had one woman um, who actually found, I don't even know how to explain it. It was some some wood kind of connected in a really interesting way in her front yard. And it was known as a, a spell in kind of Latin America. And so she recognized that and knew right away that it was an intentional curse. And we did some work to clear that. And when you're clearing an intentional curse versus a non-intentional curse, it is much more intense. It's much more powerful and it takes a little more work on your behalf of clearing it and the practitioner's behalf. Wouldn't you agree to that? Yeah, 
definitely. You know, it reminds me of a story. I was called to a house over an earthbound spirit that was scaring some of the children. And I went into this house. It was fairly new. And I was asked to go through all the rooms and just kind of get my feel. And it wasn't until I actually got to the garage of this particular house is where I saw the spirit and that's where they stayed. But in one of the rooms I had walked in, all of a sudden the energy shifted as soon as I walked into the space. And I said, oh my gosh, I feel like my head, the top of my head is so heavy. It just felt so dense and thick and confusing. And just, it was a very uncomfortable feeling only in this one room. And the owner of the house was looking at me all wide-eyed and she tells me the story about how she had let her niece live with her for a little while. And she found out her niece was practicing voodoo and black magic. And eventually the relationship had soured and she had kicked the girl out of the house. And the, when the girl left and left the whole room empty, the only thing in there was this little voodoo doll made out of hay and the top of its head was burned off. Wow. Right. And so I was like, whoa. And she's like, she had a hard time believing that her niece would go to that measure and leave this purposefully as like a hex or a curse upon her and the family. And I asked her, what, what did you do with the doll? And she said she took it outside and buried it in the ground somewhere to release it. But I was like, the energies to me were still very much in that room whoever the girl was, did leave some energy there. And we did some clearing around it. But yeah, I mean, just saying there's validation for you. I didn't even know any of that was happening. And in that particular room, I was able to feel and pick up on those energies. Wow. Well, this sounds like a good time to segue into voodoo. So voodoo is so interesting. I think I may have spoken about this in an earlier podcast, but when I was third grade through sixth grade, I was obsessed with witches and with the Salem witch trials and with voodoo and enchantment and anything spell like I ran seances, all that stuff. And I, I, I was in this thing where we came up with our own lessons that we taught the class. And again, I'm sorry if I'm being repetitive, but this is so right on spot here. I was preparing to do a class on voodoo. I made a voodoo doll of a girl in the class that I didn't really care for. And I sat back and I watched her as I stuck a pin in her stomach and she projectile vomited right at that time and started crying and went home. Well, I lost it. You know, I went and told the teacher what I did and, you know, they came in and talked to me and my parents. I wasn't allowed to do any more seances at lunchtime. They had me teach how to make chicken soup as my next lesson. Like how sexist is that? And I also in, in third grade made a voodoo doll of Jay, this guy that I was in love with. And I stole a piece of his hair and I made a voodoo doll of him and did a love spell on him. And he asked me to go steady and we went steady for third through sixth grade. So the love spell happened first. And then this other voodoo thing happened where I hurt this poor young woman. And that totally helped me even at the age of 11 years old or whatever I was understand the power of this and take responsibility for my actions and kind of go into it a little bit of a, a different way. So with that being said, voodoo, this is so interesting. Voodoo comes from Voodon, B-O-U-D-O-N. And this is a religion that's presently practiced in Haiti and in different parts of the Southern US, like in Louisiana, also in Jamaica, the Dominican Republic, Brazil, and Cuba. 
this is a religion that comes from West African, from spiritual traditions in West Africa, and it includes magical and religious rites. Voodoo, V-O-O-D-O-O, is a word from the Fon people of West Africa, which means entity. And as far as we know, there is absolutely no knowledge of voodoo dolls for negative purposes related to voodoo whatsoever. And there's no historical reference to them using voodoo dolls for negativity. The only thing is, is that there is evidence of dolls being used in this West African religion and in Haiti as charms to invoke good health and positivity and well-being of people. And these dolls were made, this is such a cool story, they were made and hung from trees in cemeteries, and they were thought to help the people to continue to connect and communicate with their loved ones once they have passed on. And then they also found dolls that were hung upside down from trees. And they said that that was asking the creator to stop caring for someone who has mistreated them. So that is the only sign of anything slightly negative in this voodoo, voodoo religion. So the common voodoo beliefs, they believe stem from the Middle East. And this goes way back to the first and second centuries of the Christian era in Greco-Roman Egyptian times when they found the use of these voodoo dolls and the kings would use them and poke pins in them and do curses to them to curse one another. And then they even found way back in the Syrian rituals, and that's way back to the uh, eighth through the sixth centuries before the Christian era, when they also utilized voodoo dolls. And, you know, they kind of think that the whole thing that came out, you know, all the voodoo dolls and, and how you have to fear voodoo religion and all this stuff and the animal sacrifice and all this, that's the type of stuff that's shown in movies. Um, and that's really popular along the tourist industry in like New Orleans right now, that there was a time, um, I believe it was in the 50s, where all these Haitian dolls were really popular and they had little shells all over them. And there was a bunch of them imported here as collectibles. And they had these certain type of dried bean as eyes. And children were eating these beans and getting poisoned and many of them died. And they believe that this is where the whole thing about voodoo dolls being cursed to kill people came from, which is really interesting. So when we're working with voodoo dolls or when people are working with a voodoo doll, the way they use them back in the Greco-Roman times or times now, what they're doing is they, again, are taking pieces of a target, putting them on this doll, and then they are burning it, sticking pins in it, daggers in it, ripping heads off, like Jude said, harming it, which is believed to have an effect on the other being. So regardless of where this all began, and as I saw firsthand when I did it to someone, it is taking your personal power of intention and putting it into an object and using that to enforce your intention. And I saw how utilizing that made this young girl be violently ill. So that's where voodoo comes from, which is just fascinating. And, you know, I've always said, I want to go to New Orleans and I want to go to a voodoo priestess. But now that I did a little bit of research on this, it's kind of like, you just have to be careful with tourist traps. And I'm sure we're probably going to get some information from people who are voodoo priestess. And I'm sure there's some out there that are amazing healers, but they can also get a bad rap. And so that's my spiel on voodooism, Jude. Yeah, I've always known that voodoo's gotten a bad rap and it's been sensationalized in the movies and it really isn't like that and i can relate this to a common practice in energy healing work is when we make these you know crystal grids or we're doing distant 
Reiki energy work, oftentimes we'll use a photograph of somebody or a doll. You know, there's these kind of chakra dolls that you can buy. There's these really cute ones on Etsy. And I've actually always wanted to get one where it's just a doll, like a little voodoo doll with all the chakras. And what these objects do are, it's just sort of a stepping stone to take an energetic and metaphysical energy and intention and bridging it into this physical space in a more direct way. It gives you something to focus your energy with this intention of it being a reflection to who it's going to in the physical. So I could see how that could have been abused, you know, that that power could have been abused in a negative way. But I could also see how somebody figured out a long time ago that this would be a bridge way for healing. I've done energy work on people through their photograph. I don't think that's a far stretch from an actual voodoo doll. It's just being able to anchor your energies through a physical medium to give it to somebody else. I love voodoo dolls. I, as, as an arts and crafts person, I think they're really cool. I have a book on it. I've always wanted to make some, of course, for like good intentions. But yeah, I agree with you. I know that it's not all stemmed in darkness and bad things. Isn't that sweet though, that they would make dolls that represented their loved ones that had passed and hang them in trees to open the communication. I think a lot of cultures. Yeah. I think a lot of cultures, I know I was just in South America and there were these beautiful kind of raggedy little dolls. And somebody said that they would put them in the coffins or put them with them during burial. I don't know for different, having different meanings. And I wanted to purchase one actually, but I couldn't find any, (laughs) a good enough reason to have one, these dolls just hanging out around my house. I have too many things that I collect, but they were very cool. Mm -hmm. And it's part of the culture and an amulet of some kind of spiritual connection uh, between our physical reality and the spiritual reality. So it probably happens in lots of cultures in different ways. Nice. All right. Let's talk about black magic versus white magic. And um, this might be pretty obvious to most of you, but black magic comes from more of lower vibrational forces. White magic is higher vibrational forces. Black magic is known to be used for evil purposes, such as revenge, harm, malicious, um, invoking evil or demonic spirits for assistance, you know, there are early accusations of witchcraft and witches using black magic to cause illness, infertility, blindness, and death of people. And then white magic is used more for positive purposes, um, bringing around abundance, healing, support, love, good fortune, fertility, balance, and well-being. And rather than invoking evil or demonic spirits, we oftentimes in white magic will invoke gods, goddesses, deities, spirit guides, and angels. So it's using magic in a negative way or in a positive way. And early accusations for witchcraft, and we will have to do a whole another one on witchcraft, is that people were using charms and spells for better harvests and to assist people with their fertility. And a lot of these women were midwives and they were using gifts of the earth primarily for positive healing reasons and were accused of black magic. But there are people out there and there are people that have shown up historically that have used this magic for darkness and negativity. I just, and Jude, you had talked about this earlier. I believe that what you put out comes back to you in return. I'm a big believer in karma. And I just really personally would never do any of these 
dark magic things. I'm currently in a class that's teaching me to connect with my darker side because, you know, I've talked before about how I stay in really the higher vibrational frequencies. And it's always good to have an understanding of yourself as a whole, but talking about some of these things like revenge spells and hexes, and I haven't gotten very far in the class kind of, um, turns my stomach, to be honest with you. It's so out of my safety zone and my norm. And I find it really interesting. And I think it's really good to be aware of these things, especially as a healer and a a psychic and a practitioner to understand and be able to identify these things coming in. But I just find it really difficult to think that somebody could do a negative spell that caused harm or wished harm on someone without accruing some really shitty karma. I'm guessing you agree with that. Yeah, I definitely agree. In terms of white magic, black magic, I think a simple way for me to understand it is whether or not our intentions are assisting somebody for a greater good or blocking their free will in that moment. So when we're doing white magic and sending positivity, I think the natural way of being for most people is that they want success and they want good things and they want happiness in their life. So when we're adding to what their free will is already wishing for themselves, we're not obstructing the current. We're not bombarding their flow. We're only boosting them and pushing them forward. But when we do these like kind of black magic hexes, revenge spells, or even binding spells, we are trying to stop somebody from their natural flow. Um, whether or not their natural flow is to be negative or they have bad intentions, it doesn't matter. I feel the red flag comes up for me in any way when we are using the metaphysical space to bind somebody or stop somebody from being in their natural flow, from obstructing their free will. So when we do that, I think we immediately accrue karma. It reminds me of a time when I was having a lot of attacks from somebody. I had another friend say, do this binding spell, do this binding spell. And every time they said it to me, I cringed a little bit. I think binding spells tend to be the most justified of all spells because you're thinking, oh, I'm stopping somebody from attacking me or I'm stopping somebody from doing harm to others. But to me, it still gives me this feeling of, like you said, it turns my stomach because the simple act of interfering with anybody's free will and whatever it is that they want to do already feels like I'm incurring karma upon myself for somebody to bind me from doing my own free will. Whereas I feel like good magic is just already adding to the current that they're already moving in. And that's kind of how I differentiate whether or not I want to put my energy into like a spell or a magic or an intention. Revenge spells. Yeah. I'm just, everything about that just screams, don't do that. But as a practitioner, Patty, I also think that there's something of value to understanding how those things work. And um, I think there's value in understanding the dark side of things, but it takes a great deal of responsibility as a practitioner to understand that's what you're utilizing that for. I think it is a little irresponsible in my opinion to just be showing people how to do stuff like that without clearly stating like this is for educational purposes only. So we understand things. To me, if you were to have somebody come to you who was suffering from some sort of hex or curse or revenge spell, having an understanding of how it works is going to put you in a position to be able to help that person better. So there is value in it, but 
I highly recommend nobody meddle with any of those things. And I feel strongly about that. It's funny, this teacher who I, I have a lot of respect for so far, and I'm early on in the class, she was mentioning, you know, we can't just throw white light and high vibrations and blah, 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 and everything, because that's not going to make you feel better. And I'm like, sister, that's exactly who I am. And that's what I do. It was hilarious. It's almost like she was speaking to me personally, but <laughs> So I kind of also feel like how egotistic is it that you feel that you should have control over someone else's journey or life or the outcome of something that's happening, you know, by doing a hex or a binding spell or something on someone, I think we should all be responsible for ourselves on how we react to things, how we protect ourselves, how we keep our vibration high. Um, I did have a client recently who is not being intentionally cursed, but she's having some really terrible things happening to her by a person for really horrible reasons. And, you know, I talked to spirit. I'm like, what can we do about this? And spirit told me that we were allowed to shrink this person's energy and send them off. So what we did was we shrunk this person's energy that they have on her well-being and her happiness. We shrunk their influences over her life. And it was for me, when I was hearing this, I was actually seeing like visually shrinking this person and, and kind of nudging them off out of our space. And that's the closest that I've ever gotten to doing some type of a, I, I mean, it's not a reversal, but I guess it could be a little bit of a binding and stopping this person from stalking and making this woman miserable. And you know, spirit gave us permission to do that. And that's a visual that we worked on together. So that's the one thing that I have done and I'm totally fine with protection, with clearing energy. And I am okay with, with putting a little bit of a mirror behind my neck and having that kind of repel off of me that way. That could be seen as a reversal spell, but I'm okay with that. But I do believe that it's important that we pay a really strong attention to what we're putting out because that's going to come back karmically. And again, who are you to make these decisions, but this is your life and you can decide what your personal space looks like and protect it and clear it as often as you want in any way that feels right. Yeah. And to me in the way that you described that felt appropriate, but because you were taking an energy that was invading somebody's energy field and assisting them with getting that out. But I think to bind somebody is to literally shut them up or tie them down yeah. or keep them from being able to take their own action through magic spells or invocations. And that is when things get into a gray area for me, uh, as far as stopping somebody from being able to move the current of their energy in their own free will. That's when things get weird. Okay. So what about this? Um, you know, I was thinking about some of these spells that I'm learning more about and how I really could not see an instance when I could use them. And then I started thinking of some of the politicians that are out right now. What if there were somebody like, let's say, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to make it really gnarly here for you. Let's say Hitler. How do you feel about doing a binding spell or something on a person like that? Who's inflicting harm on many, many people. That's a good one. Okay. I'd have to spin this in the way that imagining that this is something that's currently happening and not something that's been done in the past. Cause what's done is done. I wouldn't combat that with binding or stopping. I would combat that with prayers and love and compassion and trying to heal the broken part of that person's spirit that has been so traumatized or so wounded that they are reflecting that pain out into the world around them. That's how I would go at that. Excellent. I love that. <laughs> you pass a plus. Okay. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that anyway, but I knew that you would put it out there in a really lovely way. Oh, so thank that's, you. That's great. Okay. Compassion for 
for broken souls. Some of the things that I use, you know, this is the thing. Sometimes I'm just lazy and it's really easy to go into meditation and set an intention. It takes a lot more effort to set up a ritual, to get out your belongings, to um, do an intentional ceremony. When I do ceremonies, it's usually because it's something that's going on with the moon cycle or something that's happening astronomically that's important or something that's really uh, powerful in my life or really extreme healing or blessing for someone. But I do pretty regularly use verbal charms and essential oils and burn a lot of incense and make my own incense and light candles. I also bring in a lot of elements. I put water out under different moon cycles and, and things all the time and bring that water in and utilize that. Judith, is there something that you do kind of on a regular that you might be in this realm? Yeah. Anytime I make any essential oil sprays or salt baths, things like that, there's definitely an intention or prayer or visual that I put into that and anchor into that to amplify the energies or yeah, like you setting things outside to pick up energies from the waters, from the moon, from specific plants. I talk about flower essences, which I really love and flower essences are a way of kind of like capturing that energy and utilizing it to amplify frequencies for you. Why we have amulets and little medicine pouches that we carry around. We're creating like a generator of energy that will attract more of that quality of energy into our energy field. Yeah, I use it all the time. I use it all the time without even realizing, without the intention of thinking it's magic. It's just like a way of living and a way of being really. I think that a lot of people are always using forms of magic, even in the color choices that we pick for the day to bring in certain frequencies and the way we cook our food or grow our food or clean our house can be this ritual of magic, the practices in our daily lives. We might not always see it as spellcrafting, but I think most spiritual people who have an awareness of this energetic reality are constantly utilizing all aspects of their, our reality to move and set the energies in certain ways to benefit the quality of their life. So yeah, I'm definitely a living, breathing vessel of <laughs> spellcrafting, I guess. And even things just as simple as putting some love into the food that you're, you're cooking and serving your family or that you yourself are eating. When we do a little prayer about our food or a blessing on our food, that's what we're doing. We're just setting an intention into an object and chanting our food or our objects so that when we take it into our body, you know, it serves our higher good. That's it's healthy. So prayers, blessings, whenever there's an object involved or you're use, utilizing an object to magnify that, that can um, actually be considered spellcrafting. All right. So what to do if you feel that you need to break a curse, a hex, or a negative spell? Again, go into meditation and ask about that. Ask if it's truly something coming from an outside source and make sure that it doesn't belong to you. Like Jude said, you can identify what chakra that's coming into, which can give you a lot of information on it. We forget to just ask. So the first thing to do is to ask about that and then to do some clearing. I like to go into things as a, oh, hell no. You know, I like to go into this type of thing, not in victim mode, but from a place of empowerment, like, oh, hell no, no one is going to be taking control of my well-being and my happiness. And again, I talked to you about 
using a reflective surface, if you feel comfortable with that, shrinking them, um, utilizing tools like candles, herbs, incense, stones, uh, verbal charms. You know, you can buy spell books or prayer books and use other people's words that feel good. You can come up with your own words or mantras for that. But again, coming from a place of empowerment, not victimhood. I like to use black salt. Jude turned me on to black tourmaline, which is one of our favorites. Selenite, smoky quartz, candles, any type of salt. If you don't have black salt and you're out somewhere and you feel like you need something, if you can grab some salt off the table at the restaurant and utilize that. When I've done house clearings in the past, Spirit had me utilize pine oil and pine branches. And that actually is a thing. I guess that's been used before to help clear things. But again, primarily the intention. I'm setting the intention of clearing anything out of my field that doesn't belong to me, anything that's not positive, kind, hopeful, loving, empowering, healing, anything that's not serving my higher good or my well-being. Setting those intentions is the most important thing. And then from there, you can utilize tools that help assist with that. Jude, do you have a go-to that you use for something like that? I love everything that you said. And as you said, intention is the first piece of it. And I love utilizing things like salt and oils and smudges to anchor that intention even further in my clearing. I don't know what it is about salt, but I don't know if it's just the history of us and all of the intentions that have been put in by all these witchy people over all of these thousands of years around salt or if salt itself has a magical frequency, but I will attest to that. Salt does have this kind of quality of being able to clear energies and uh, neutralize energies. So I'm all about the salt. I really like that. Yeah, I mentioned in a past episode that uh, I was at a restaurant and some energy came through and I, I used salt and I asked for some cinnamon. And cinnamon is another herb that's really good, cinnamon and clove to help clear some things out. So there are, again, a lot of books that you can find out there with spells and incantations. I have a book that is 5,000 spells. It's actually 1,108 pages, and it's pretty intense. There are a lot of what I would call black magic spells in there, along with some really sweet spells. So again, if it's anything that seems to be sending harm or negative energy elsewhere, Jude and I believe that you should steer clear from that. There are people that believe that you have the right to do some of these spells and these findings, et cetera, if you are under wrongdoing. And I guess that's a personal choice, but we're just putting it out there with our personal truth. So one little spell that I came across that you can use for clearing out negative energy, a curse or a hex is utilizing the essential oils of lavender, lemongrass, patchouli, peppermint, and vetiver. And you can add these into jojoba oil or almond oil. I would only use like, you know, one or two drops of each of these is going to be plenty strong. And then you add a pinch of salt. You set your intention of that you're clearing out any negative energy. And then you're supposed to anoint your body or rub this on your body while standing outside under the full moon. So that's pretty witchy and fun. And then one thing that is just really sweet, we're recording this in the springtime, but this is something you can do year round. A lovely blessing for the house is to take a bowl and fill it halfway up with water. And then you want to float flowers in this bowl. It's especially lovely if you can handpick flowers and even more potent if you can pick them off of your own property. 
because they're already energetically aligned with you that way. So you float these flowers, you put that in the middle of your home as centralized as you can, or an area that is heavily used. And you can stick your finger in there and give it a little swirl as you are setting an intention for your home of bringing joy and peace or lovely energy into your home and to all of the people and pets that live there and to kind of bless your space. And then when the flowers start to kind of wilt or start to go south, then you take that water out into the yard with the flowers and you dump it into the yard. And then that sends it blessing down into the ground beneath your home. So those are two pretty good spells, I think. Jude, do you have anything you want to add? What do you think of those? I love those. And I like working with symbology, symbols, sacred geometry too. I think that these are kind of like written magic spells, maybe in a language that isn't something you read, but the lines and the angles all invoke certain frequencies. And if you look through the history of human beings, these symbols all stemmed from ancient times to Originally, these writings were created to invoke frequencies that emulated what they were trying to convey. And this is kind of how language and writing started. So I like using a lot of symbols. I have sacred geometry all over my home in one form or another, ancient symbology to draw in good and positive energy. Or there's symbols that are for protection, for health, for abundance, for love. There's all kinds of symbols. And if you don't actually have a physical symbol, sometimes you can draw them and sometimes you can just project them in your mind's eye. Like you can fill a room with a sacred symbol to very quickly clear and cleanse energies. So that's another thing that I like to use. Nice. And I know nothing about feng shui, but I had a feng shui practitioner come to my house and it was amazing. We did salt cures, which are jars with sea salt. And then we put coins in there and we put those in certain dark areas of my house. And then we also dispersed black tourmaline. And I have several rooms in my house where there's a black tourmaline stone in every corner. And so These blessings and these spell crafts, you know, kind of come from many, many cultures and cover a lot of ground. And so finding something that feels positive and works for you, it's just a a great thing to explore and play with and utilize. So be witchy, be powerful, but be mindful and be kind in what you're doing and take responsibility for your own power whenever you're doing any type of ceremony or ritual. Yes, yes. So once again, thank you for joining us on this conversation about spellcrafting and magic. Thank you for listening and being on this journey with us as we explored spirituality and our own intuitive gifts. We're happy to be available to you and helping you. And for those of you who want to help support our mission, we have a donation button available on our website and you can find the links through our Instagram at Spirit Speakers Podcast. You can also find links to both Patty and me on our website, spiritspeakerspodcast.com. We have a lot of exciting things to look forward to for the rest of the year coming into our two-year anniversary in the next couple months. Yes. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for spreading the word and telling your friends about us. We really appreciate that. And we love being here for you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for supporting us and take care. Aloha. 